Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dirt Talk. We're on a roll once a week. Very exciting stuff. This week, a little bit unique, I have two people with me. Uh, we had some folks from Richie Brothers reach out and they said we would love to be on Dirt Talk and we have a few people that we think would be uh, great guests for you. And I said, well, I like the auction, so sign me up. So today we have... We have Carrie Taylor, uh, she's president of North American Sales for Ritchie Brothers, and we have Matt Ackley, who's the chief marketing officer for Ritchie Brothers. Matt, Carrie, thanks for joining. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to talk about auctions. This is a topic we have not gotten into at all yet, and I know it's a very passionate, a topic many people are passionate about in this industry. So first off, can you just explain what does the business of, of Richie Brothers look like? How big are you guys? What's the expanse of, of the business? What's what's What do you guys do? Sure, I'll, I'll jump in there. So, you know, Richie Brothers uh, for years, right, you know, founded about 60 years ago by, by Dave Richie, has been in the heavy equipment auction space since then, predominantly running you know, what we would call a, a live auction over the history of, of that period. So an auction that takes place, you know, at a particular site or venue with a live auctioneer, you know, all categories of heavy equipment from construction to agriculture to transportation, oil and gas, mining, you know, you name it, you know, in roughly 40 countries around the world right, or excuse me, 44 sites in numerous countries around the world, you know, to global op operations. I myself actually came into to Ritchie Brothers a, a couple of years ago when Ritchie Brothers purchased Iron Planet, which was, you know, basically an online auction, uh, an online version of, of Ritchie Brothers. And what Iron Planet, you know, offered over that time was a weekly version of an auction that took place completely online where the equipment sat in the owner's yard and, you know, bidders came, you know, in the case of Iron Planet every Thursday and bid on the, bid on the equipment and then arranged for transportation, it's, uh, you know, themselves. So, you know, originally kind of, you know, it's kind of like Reese's Preen's brother bought two flavors together. And now we have now, you know, if you look at the, the market, we have, uh, you know, we really don't think about it in terms of live and online anymore, right? We think about it in terms of, hey, where is the equipment sitting? Do you want to, if you're an equipment seller, do you want to actually, you know, send it to a, a site, a physical location uh, where it's available for people to, to, to come and see and it'll sell from there on a particular date? Or do you want to sell it from your own lot, right? Or your own dealership or whatnot? And, and sell it completely online. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, we, we actually launched a, a non-auction format, which we call Marketplace E, where, where sellers can, you know, access our marketplaces via, you know, non, you know, sort of more traditional e-commerce format, buy now, make offer, and allows sellers to, you know, potentially, you know, to basically put a reserve uh, on those items when they sell it. Because our, our, our auctions tend to be, you know, predominantly unreserved in nature. So, you know, really, Aaron, a, you know, a historical legacy of auctions, but a company that shifted its focus over the last, 
three to five years with a couple acquisitions, Iron Planet included, to be more of a you know kind of a marketplace provider for sellers to sell any way they see fit. Gotcha. And now, uh, Carrie, if I wanted to bring a machine to auction, what is that process? So I have a skid steer in my yard. I'm a construction company. It's it's you know it's it's done its work, and now is the time to to get rid of it and go get a new one. How do I bring it to Richie Brothers? What's the process of selling something at auction? Well, first of all, it's my team's job to convince you to sell it with Richie Brothers. Okay. So you you'll be connected with a sales rep. Uh, you may already know who that is in advance if we've been reaching out to you, or you'll reach out to richiebrothers.com and we'll put you in contact with one. We'll explore what are your motivations, uh, where do you want to sell it? Is it from your yard, or do you want to pass it over to Richie Brothers to assume care, custody, and control? Or we can add on some refurbishment and readiness services. Uh, we'll go through a pre-sales process. We'll get you all excited for sale day and all the demand Matt and his team drive up. And post-sale process will include getting you your money. Uh, we have a lot of flexibility in our system, where you sell it, which event in the course of the year. So it's very much focused on what are you looking for and how do we maximize your price realization. Awesome. And so what is that? What's that? Why? What's the sales process as far as convincing someone to sell a machine through Richie Brothers? Because I'm sure there's plenty of options to sell a machine. So why would I go to auction with with my machine? Well, the one thing we've done over a multi-decade history is build one heck of a global buyer demand. Yeah. So if you want as most eyes and potential to get your, in this case, skid steer, steer sold for a good amount uh, Richie Brothers is going to be your best choice. Also, the why is the flexibility of where you sell it. Uh, so we'll make we make the process easy. We're focused on your needs, and we will drive that demand like no other. Excellent. And so, Matt, on the marketing side of things, I mean, what are the what are the marketing tools you guys have to drive that demand? How do you get people to auction? How do you get people online looking at auctions? How do you get people aware of these going on? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's fascinating. You know, I've, I've been doing, you know, auctions for a long time and, you know, I did, uh, I was at eBay for a while and, you know, ran marketing for eBay. And so it, it's, you know, auctions present a very, very unique opportunity from uh, a marketing standpoint, but just because of the, the nature of an auction, you know, the nature of bidding and what that, you know, says about somebody who may or may not be interested in that machine. So, uh, the one word I usually come back to is data. You know, one of the things that made Iron Planet a really cool opportunity and company, and and obviously now that we've married that with RV's legacy and history, is you know there's there's a lot of buyers out there looking for construction equipment, and we have you know a lot of data in that regard, and so we're able to take advantage, uh, for instance, of some of the newer marketing techniques like you know Google AdWords. Right. The more equipment we have, we have tools that automatically generate keywords, right, based on the supply we have at any given auction. And we'll go and then automatically buy those on Google in that particular area to, to drive people to that sale. Wow. You know, same thing if we use YouTube or Facebook, right? We, you know, Facebook allows you to do some really, really interesting things with targeting where, you know, we know people, you know, we, we call it lookalike modeling, 
right? You know, people who have who have searched on excavators or looked at excavators, or in this case, skid steers in, in the past, we can we can you know basically put that into into Facebook, and they'll, and Facebook will help us find other people who look like that person. Uh, so we've really been able to kind of shift our marketing to some of these newer online techniques. And we've seen amazing progress over the last couple of years. It's actually fascinating because, you know, as you, as you kind of said before, you know, doing this in the equipment spaces is really, you know, interesting and new for me. And it just feels like we're breaking new ground here. So how do you, and, and I guess that's, that works for people that are on the internet, which is most everybody, but there still is that, isn't yeah. there still that old school audience that's, you know, some, some guy that, that sells equipment every once in a while that doesn't want anything to do with the smartphone that lives in Kansas or whatever it may be that, that you can't really reach with Facebook or how do you reach the people that, I guess, the more traditional base in this industry that still is very much a, a big deal uh, in this world? Yeah, I mean, so so a couple of things on that note, and I'll, I'll give you a funny stat. One, we still, you know, we still use traditional marketing means, right? We yeah. still use, you know, brochures. People have been to our sales in the past. We still use print, you know, print advertising. But let me uh, uh, let me pose a question to you: In what geographic area of all North America do you think we have the highest adoption of our mobile app? And I, I would probably say either coast, maybe California or East Coast. Nope. Uh, rural Saskatchewan. Really? The farm, the farm community. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think, I, you know, I, I always, I always, I'm always drawn to that because, you know, we sit here and we think that people in this industry, you know, uh, you know, there's this mentality or, or caricature about this industry. But I think, you know, most people are, you know, this day and age have just gotten, you know, incredibly savvy about their technology use. And, you know, when I came in, I, you know, once again, having been at eBay and some of these other places worked at Google, you know, when we tried, I was like, Hey, let's try Facebook for the first time. I was, I was incredibly surprised at the type of response we were able to get for heavy machinery, right. On Facebook. Well, you, you, you got uh, me all the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's worked on me. Not that I bought a machine, but I remember, yeah, I distinctly yeah. remember sitting in my math classes in college and just being logged into the auctions on my computer while I was trying, quote yeah. unquote, paying attention to whatever the professor was doing, but what watching what skid steers were selling for, thinking, ah, you know, that 18 grand, I, I, I think I could swing that. Maybe, maybe I could, I could get that one, or maybe I could get this one. I would watch auctions all day long because it's just fascinating to even watch, not even even if you're not participating in it, it's just kind of fun to see what stuff's going for. Yeah. I was just going to say, keep in mind how Facebook's ad algorithm works, Yeah, right? It's based on engagement, right? They're going to promote stuff that people find engaging and, and the stuff in this industry, right? You know, whether you want to call them big Tonka toys or, you know, everybody, you know, is fascinated by these machines. Everybody. Yeah. Well, it's no so. secret that, that Facebook knows that I like excavators. That's a pretty easy one to figure out. Um, Carrie, can you explain how, how the heck did the, the iron planet Richie brothers marriage come to be? I mean, what, how does that, how does that happen? And, and how did all that, you know, come together? So I think when you, when you go back and you recognize a company with a lot of rooted history of building sites and having a really good copy and paste model, 
you go so far, you run out of real estate. You start thinking, how else do I expand my customer and buyer base? Yeah. And we had a pretty feisty competitor called Iron Planet. So some ways you beat them or you join them. This way we brought them under our wing and we came together as a stronger company. You know, it was bringing two totally different companies and cultures together. But I think fast forward in the day we're in today, we're really reaping the benefits of those synergies. So was the deal, was Ritchie Brothers more in-person, auction, traditional means of selling equipment? Iron Planet was more sell your machines on the internet and you just combine the two to make one perfect marriage? Well, you're a fast study. And internally, how we sarcastically referred to it is before Iron Planet, we had a one-trick pony. Okay, gotcha. Well, you guys are probably pretty relieved that all happened before this year because now is everything online right now or what's the deal as far as auctions go as we speak? We are 100% online COVID injected. We still sell from our yards and we still sell from your yard, Aaron, when we sell you that skid steer. What's different is customers will come in and inspect the equipment at our live yards that's still happening in amidst COVID, and we're doing that in a very controlled basis. But 100% of the transaction and the buying behavior is all happening online, and it's really helping us supercharge that part of our business. Yeah, and one of the interesting things about that is even before COVID, Aaron, at the so-called, and I'm using air quotes right now, at the so-called live sales, 70% of the equipment was still bought online. Really? So, yeah, yeah. So through the RB mobile app, through the RB website, people accessing and listening online and, and, and purchasing online. So when COVID hit, you know, you, we really only talked about transitioning the, the other 30%. And I, I think, you know, now since we've seen that happen, what we've actually seen is it, it, in kind of a scratch your head way and, and not really scratch your head because, you know, we feel like we've, we've helped push this along all of a sudden this, this great acceleration in participation. So, you know, we've introduced some new tools and some new technology. So now you can actually bid ahead of the auction, right? So yes, there's the auction on a particular day with an auctioneer that you're watching online. But you can go ahead and place your, 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 your maximum bid ahead of that auction so you don't even have to be there on that auction day. And that's like technology we brought in from, from Iron Planet. So as we've made some of those new features available to more and more folks, you know, even though we've gone online, we've actually seen you know, we're breaking registration records at sales. We're breaking you know, web traffic records. You know, and I think some of that has to do with the fact that you said, you know, you've been traveling around and, and you know, the construction industry is, is, is going kind of gangbusters right now. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we've introduced a lot of tools and techniques where we're starting to see this, this online participation start to really accelerate uh, over the last, you know, nine months or so since we've been in the COVID period. That's wild. So what does, I mean, what, what, what does this year looked like? What are the trends you guys are seeing in equipment sales? How have things changed, if at all, other than going online? What, what, what are you guys seeing as far as the used equipment market looks like? So, you know, one of the things we've, we've introduced this year is a lot of new tools around pricing trends. We, we publish a monthly report 
So we've actually seen, you know, you know, over the past quarter or so, you know, used equipment pricing, you know, pick up substantially. So there was a, you know, if you look at 2019, there was kind of a deflationary effect on used equipment prices. You know, we've seen that rebound quite recently. And we're seeing strength primarily across most of the major sectors, if you will. You know, a couple of, you know, a couple of areas that are kind of interestingly, you know, we might say are on fire right now is anything transportation related. Mm. Um, and, and this is, yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating. So, you know, particularly like last mile trucks and last mile equipment. So think about that a second, you know, as, as COVID has impacted, you know, more and more physical retail sites, more people are opting for deliveries. So, so yeah. the transportation, the demand for trucks and so forth is, is, is quite high. Uh, that's also bled over into some of the material handling categories. You know, we've had a record year for you know forklifts and 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 things of and things of that nature. So, you know, really, really, really interesting. You know, I, I would say that overall, you know, the 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 trend is one of of high demand for uh, used equipment right now. That's wild. I guess, Carrie, can we talk about what? I, I want to get back into just what the the intricacies of an auction are. Can you talk about what a reserve price means? Because I I need to I need that defined for me. I'm not. You said I'm a quick study, but you'd be surprised. Not all that quick over here. So I'd love for you to define what what reserve price is and and what what the options are that I would have when I'm selling a machine at auction. And then can you explain what a successful auction looks like? When do you guys know like Yep, we we did it. Does it mean all the machines are sold? Does it mean everything goes for a high price. What does that, what does a successful auction look like? Okay. So we're going to frame up a couple things here, Aaron, and it'll be education. So I'll have to come up with a quiz question at the end. Please. Um, so first of all, your skid steer. Yes. I'm making an assumption. You have a price in your head. Is my assumption fair? Yes. Okay. So your price in your head could be a function of what you owe on it or what cash you want in your hands. What your sales rep will explore with you is uh, will bring you trends of how they're selling in our unreserved auctions. And I'm going there first because our live format at the sites where we assume care, custody, and control and our Thursday weekly featured auction is all about unreserved. The benefit of that, Aaron, is it goes that day. You have guarantee your skid steer sells and it sells for market price. Okay. Now, let's say you look through the data, you're watching the latest Thursday auction, you're getting a feel for it, and you're a bit gun shy. I don't know if you're gun shy type, but I'm gonna throw that out there. You might go, mm, I'm really uncomfortable in this unreserved auction. By the way, we're really credible here. We have a lot of results as Matt has talked about thus far and our data would substantiate. But let's just pretend you're this first time auction consigner and you're like, yeah, but I wanna be sure I have a reserve and I'm in control of my price. Is that more your style, Aaron? Um, I am more just, let's just shoot from the hip and go for it. Okay, very good. Well, let's yep. just pretend for a moment you're more reserved. Yes. Our marketplace E then is your perfect forum where it's our reserved environment. Here you're controlling the price 
and you're basically putting a floor or a reserve price of where we start. And then we go look for buyers of your, of your skid steer. Okay. So that's the distinction between our formats. Marketplace E is our reserve format. The Thursday weekly featured and all of our live locations. It's all about unreserved, really the bread and butter of who Ritchie Brothers is. And it sells that day. So you have confidence it's going. Okay. Gotcha. And now what, what do you, how do you determine auction success? Auction success, um, it's evolving as digital and our awareness of data and analytics is improving. Sometimes I go into sales knowing we had auction success, maybe even a week before the event, Aaron. And how do I know? Because we can see what level of attention has been given to any one item or asset. Mm. Uh, people put it on their list, so their buying list. Um, also, as Matt mentioned, you can put in a priority bid early. So we might have a good sense of what it's going to sell for even before the day of the auction. Auction day success to me is all about the volume and velocity of bidders online. That's wild. So Matt, you can, you can look at what an auction is going to do beforehand based on web traffic and, and prior bids and everything like that. So you have a pretty good idea of how these things are going to perform before it happens. Pretty good. And we've actually gotten, you know, what's interesting is over the years, we've started to employ, you know, machine learning here. So we have algorithms that, you know, up to three to five days before an auction can predict you know, based on you know, certain demand parameters that we're looking at, whether the sale of an individual item will be successful, right? Wow. Whether it will bring the price we think it's going to bring. And then we, we can adjust based on the, you know, the algorithm. They'll say, hey, guess what, Matt? You know, these items look like they're, they need a little extra love from a marketing standpoint to, to, you know, to drive buyer awareness. You know, you need to go focus on those items. Right. And so once again, back to what I was saying before, we'll go out and buy keywords associated with those items or promote them on Facebook or whatnot. But, you know, we've started to really, really kind of layer in a bunch of data science there to, you know, you use the word shoot from the hip earlier. Yeah, I like to think of it more as auction science. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. in, in my order. Yeah. So, you know, once again, trying to drive that success on sale day and, and make sure we maximize the value for our consigners by driving, you know, the most buyers that we can. Gotcha. Now who, who are the buyers and, and who are the sellers? Is it, is it everybody? Is it a particular group of people? Are these sellers, you know, a lot of times these big companies looking to just liquidate fleets or is it just some guy selling a machine, a combination of both? What does it look like on the buying side and then on the selling side, as far as demographics go? So consigners is anyone who owns an asset. So you could go from large corporations all the way down to the individual who owns your skid steer, Aaron. You could be a great consigner. Um, as we talk about consigners who are also buyers, that's an interesting thread because that crisscrosses. Yeah, on, on, the, on, on the buyer side, I'm kind of going to give you the, the same answer. You know, our buyers range from, you know, individuals. I mean, we sell just a, just a huge, wide range of assets, right? 
you know, anything, you know, from a, you know, a 777 to, you know, a lawnmower. Right. And yeah. so you're going to get uh, a, a wide range of buyers and, you know, in, in that buyer, you know, so basically we, we tend to break, you know, some people buy to resell, you know, that's a, you know, that's a component of our buyer base. But one of the interesting things we've seen with COVID is greater participation of, you know, what we would call end users. So less resellers. So people who are buying the equipment to use it. And, you know, that's anywhere from, you know, a construction company that needs to put it to work to, you know, a dentist who has a farm and, and, and wants your skid steer to, you know, quite frankly, people who, who come on and, you know, buy surveying devices and, and, you know, yard equipment and so forth. So it just runs it. You know, anyone can participate from a buyer standpoint, you know, at these sales. That's amazing. And, and so I can... And, and, and so everything is, is mobile now. So on my phone, on my iPhone, I can yep. go buy skid steers at your Thursday auction. This Thursday, yep. I can go buy a skid steer on an app on my phone. Yep. That's pretty wild. We have the, uh, you know, one of the things that fascinates me about the app is uh, our, our largest sale on the app was something over a million bucks. Really? Somebody bought on the app. So do you just, do I just sign up? I ver you verify that, yep, this guy is legitimate. He has the money and he can yep. bid on things. Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, so we don't let you come in and, you know, you know, bid on, you know, million dollar items without knowing a little bit about you, but you know, anyone can sign up totally free to register, you know, now there's an initial, when you sign up, we do some checks on you. Right. There's an initial what we call bidding limit. Right. So we're not going to let you, you know, some some new random person off the street come in and bid on, you know, once again, place a million bucks for a D9. But, you know, over time, you know, through, you know, you can raise that bidding limit either by proving that you make purchases and you pay for those purchases or B, you know, you can go to X, there are extra steps. Uh, you can provide a letter of credit and so forth. So we kind of, we kind of, you know, you know, manage that process so that we can attract as many people as possible. But at the same time, we want to basically, you know, pre preserve the validity of the auction by not letting anyone come in and, and you know, and bid any amount out there. Gotcha. Um, so we try to graduate people up. Okay. I have all these questions come in my head because this, all this stuff's fascinating yeah, and I've always wanted to know all this stuff. So Carrie, do you, do you prefer that I have the machine in my yard or it's in your yard? Is there any preference there? Does it work any better uh, one way or the other, or is it just the same either way? My preference is to do it the way you want to do it. I'm indifferent and I'm agnostic. Gotcha. So you can buy that skid steer this Thursday and then you can call me up and sell it three weeks from now, right from your yard. Really? Do you guys coordinate? I mean, so so when it sells, how do you how do you make sure? And it's in my yard. How do you make sure the buyer gets their machine? Yeah. So um, you know the the one of the interesting things you know, and, and this really comes from the Iron Planet side is is it's a managed marketplace. So so when when you buy when you bid on the piece of equipment, you don't know you know where it is generally, but you don't have the exact address of that equipment, and only after the auction is complete and you have paid, do we actually say, all right, you know, Aaron, the equipment's at, you know, one, two, three main street, right. You know, you can go pick it up now. 
at the same time, you know, as the seller, the, the only, you only release the equipment when you know that, that funds have been paid as well. So, so we kind of, there's an escrow process, if you will, in place there. And, and so as a buyer, once you win the auction, you know, we reach out to you, you pay, once you pay, you find out the address. At the same time, we actually help you out with shipping. So we, you know, we, you can use your own uh, logistics firm if you want. Uh, we have a partnership with a company called Veritred, where we can actually, you know, you can actually go and find people who will, who will ship the item or, or go and pick up the item and deliver to you. And once again, once you've paid, then you get notification of where it is. Your schedule, you know, we schedule a particular time for you to go pick up understanding loadout characteristics and all that, all that sort of thing. You know, there's a scheduled time, the pickup happens, and then the, the machine becomes yours. As you guys have so there's a whole process there. Well, have you guys have accelerated this online space? Has, have you guys had to think about anything when it comes to fraud or anything like that? Have you had to, you know, rethink this or because it's, it's, it was probably a lot easier when, when Carrie, when you were that one trick pony, you know, it's in my yard, I'm selling it. I can manage it all now when it's all over the place and in 44 sites and then plus all this, I mean, is there, are there, is there room for fraud? How have you guys had to figure that one out? It's not as top of mind as you might guess. Yeah. And the reason I believe that is for a large number of items that we're selling from from businesses and individual yards, we're inspecting it. So there's been a process of physically seeing it, checking it out, putting it up line. We're also quite a powerful due diligence side to blacklist you. So if you go the wrong way, we won't be doing business in the future. Gotcha. And, uh, as Matt articulated, that escrow process is a nice checks and balances on the end. Okay. So I can't sell yeah, you for, a, for a someone, skid steer that's yeah. a cardboard cutout. No, no, no. For someone who grew up, you know, at eBay, right, in the early days of the web, you know, we were we were dealing with that consistently. Yeah. Right. And, yep. you know, you come to, you know, that was one of the things that attracted me, you know, when I initially took a job at Iron Planet. You know, Iron Planet had figured out that whole, you know, to your point, that whole fraud thing, that whole inspection thing, right? You know, sending a person out there, inspecting it. I mean, the Iron Planet inspection, you know, you know, multi, multi-faceted checklist, videos of the engine running, hundreds of photos, oil samples that are processed. You know, and then, you know, all the way through this vetting and, you know, escrow to, you know, so these transactions, you know, it's not like you buy the thing online, then it comes, you know, the, the wrong thing comes from China four weeks later, as used to happen on eBay. Yep. Right. So, you know, you, you probably know the story. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, when you're dealing with equipment of this much value, you have to have a process like that in place. So you have all these inspectors scattered across everywhere. Do they work for Richie Brothers? Do they work for other people? What I mean, how many people do you have just inspecting equipment at any one time? It's around 300 uh, in North America. You know, it's really, Aaron, it's a capability that's quite interesting that we've built out, you know, obviously built out on the Iron Planet side. But, you know, one of the things we do now is we actually opened up this inspector network to, to to other people who aren't even selling on our marketplace. Mm. So if you're selling on your own, you can actually order one of our inspections and we'll send out an inspector who will inspect the equipment. You can put that inspection up on your own website. 
That's a fun fact. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's really critical. You know, once again, right, you go back to what you said, fraud and trust. You know, when you're dealing with, you know, items of this value, you, you know, you want to make sure you have, you know, something there that provides that trust to the buyer that they're going to get what they're paying for. Gotcha. Okay. Now going to the auction again, how do you, is it the same amount of time per machine? Do you, do you vary the time that a machine is up for sale to maximize how much it's going to go for? How does that work? Is it all the same? Cause I know I've been to a few of these auctions and they are really quick. So as far as, as at least what I think there, it's all the same time, but does that change at all? Or, or is it all just the exact same amount of time and for whatever it sells for is that's what it sells for. It's pretty much the same amount of time. I think the variance comes out uh, with the live auctioneer and the volume of the bidders. Gotcha. If the bidding rate continues at a pretty good pace, but there isn't a unif- uh, there isn't a design or inherent facet of a certain type of asset gets more attention. It's assumed equal. Okay. And do you have that variance online too, or is it pretty consistent? It's, it's, is it a lot more consistent online? It's well, bidding. Online it's a is, function yeah, of bidding. Yeah, exactly. And so you'll have a, you'll, you'll start with a set time interval, but the bidding extends or the auction remains open, you know, kind of, it's the same approach until there's no more bidding activity. Gotcha. However long that takes. Okay. Understood. Now, I, I I am so, we talked about this a little bit before we were recording here, but I went to Ritchie Brothers Orlando in February. Everyone had said, you need to go to Orlando. You need to go to Orlando. It's like you hear about Con Expo, big deal in Vegas, but also Orlando, Orlando, Orlando. And I'm like, all right, I need to go check this damn thing out because everyone's talking about it. I go, it's absurd how many machines there were in this yard. And it is absurd how many people there were. And there were buses and offsite parking everywhere and police directing. I mean, it was, it was just bananas. Why the heck is the Orlando auction so big? Why is that the biggest? Like out of all of them, why is it Orlando? Well, and it's a six day sale. It's crazy. Did you have, did you have the endurance for all six days? No, absolutely not. I was done in the morning. (laughs) Um, so the thought behind it is a lot of businesses are up in the north. A lot of people travel all over the globe to go to Florida. What better place to go in the winter to thaw out? Uh, uh. It's historically been at the start of the year, sets the tone and the pace for the whole construction industry. What kind of prices are we going to get? Who's buying what? What kind of jobs are out there? Now, I say all that with the enthusiasm you hear in my voice, Aaron. It's not going to take away from Orlando, but there's a lot that Matt and his team are working on to create spice in places beyond Orlando. Yeah. Matt, you want to add a few words? Yeah. So it's, you know, once again, you know, it is, you know, with the American audience, we, you know, we call it the granddaddy of them all. You know, just because of what Carrie says, the the time of year, the location, people are down there from the north, Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, this start of the season phenomenon, as we've added, you know, a lot of these, you know, new channels, the, the, you know, the weekly auction, right, where you can auction stuff off every, you know, week, as we've been talking about, you know, the ability, you know, all the activity online, you know, we've started to see you know, even though we're having the sale uh, in Orlando, 
the buyer base is inherently global, you know, so, so roughly of the people who register for the auction, right. Only about 20% of them actually register in Florida, right. Or at this, you know, it's, it's now, you know, it started out, you know, as Carrie talked about start of the season, Florida, warm weather, but now it's this global phenomenon that's kind of spilled over into, you know, our other sales at that time of year, as well as our online channel. So it really, I think that the, the fascinating thing, the fast, it's the start of the season, right? I think that's the, it's that time of year when work is gearing up, people are getting excited. People are thinking about, you know, coming at, you know, all those, you know, snowbirds up North or, you know, coming out of hibernation, starting to think about the projects upcoming. It's that time of year is when we see, you know, that kind of the, the buyer activity pick up. And as Carrie says, it's set the pace for the rest of the year. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I Are there standards as far as what kind of machine I can sell? If it's a dozer that's that's pretty beat up, but it's still running, can I sell it with you guys? Or, or who makes that decision as far as what I can and can't sell within an auction? We don't put those parameters around. It's got to be legal and legit. Yeah. Um, in some cases, we're dealing with EPA or regulatory pieces, yep. uh, which might define which market buys. But there's likely a buyer for every piece that comes into our auction. What you're talking about here now is price realization, Aaron. What are you going to get for it as a function of what the market is willing to buy? Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Because I have seen, I've seen some dozers that are pretty beat up. But if someone wants it, I guess that's what you guys are there for to sell it. Um, well, sometimes they're for parts. That's true. That is true. That's a good point. That's a great point. Now, with with the online auctions, are you still moving machines? It's you're not moving anything, are you? It just sits there and it's just online with pictures, or is it video? How does that work? So today, the um, so when we run them online today. We're, we're actually not running them across the ramp. We're using pictures. Gotcha. Uh, but one of the things we're about to introduce, though, is we are going to introduce video, right? So starting in 2021, we're going to start, you know, introducing two types of video to, to, the, to the sales that take place at the yards. One of the, of the machine running itself, you know, and, and going through some operations. But two, we're also, you know, potentially experimenting with, video, you know, people moving, you know, you know, instead of driving it across the ramp, video moving around the yard as we go to piece to piece. So once again, you know, bringing that element of excitement that, that you experienced last year live, you know, bringing that, you know, bringing that home to the online experience as well. Gotcha. Do you guys, and I think so much, go for I think it. so much of what Matt is speaking to is how do you translate the auction nostalgia to the digital online experience? Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's a big part of an auction is just being at the auction and seeing like, whoa, that machine just went for this. And like, oh, that guy rose his hand and and, and put his hand up and he just bought a bulldozer. Like that is ridiculous. I remember as a child, I would go to car auctions because in much like Florida, I lived in Scottsdale, Arizona. So every January, all these people come from around the world and all these car auctions are there. And it is almost intoxicating to be in these auction rooms with these cars going across the block every minute and people just buying them left and right. And you're just sitting there as a kid like, 
This is absolutely wild. And it's it's this weird, intangible feeling that you get in this excitement of people just buying things left and right that are very expensive and actually seeing what the dollars are. And it's like you go to a dealership and my big qualm with a dealership, with an equipment dealership is that you don't really know what stuff's worth. It's not like a car dealership where you can just look at the window and be like, wow, this is a $53,000 car. It's, it's, there's a little bit more, there's a little less transparency. Whereas at auctions, you can just see exactly what stuff's selling for at any one point in time, which I think is very fascinating. So think about how much your emotion just went up and how Matt talked about price performance being outstanding through COVID. Yep. Here's the trick shot, Aaron. During COVID, nobody, no customers have been on site for auction day. So we've had to figure out how to, like I said before, drive that nostalgia into the digital world. And it's just been an impressive undertaking. Pretty wild. I mean, that the whole Iron Planet thing was a was pretty good timing. Like that, that, that worked out pretty well for you guys. I'm sure Matt is smiling ear to ear. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Matt. <laughs> Who would have thunk? Yeah. Who would have thunk? Yeah, well, I, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fascinating ride, right? To to watch the difference, you know, between you know, if you would have asked me, you know, after I left eBay in 2010, if I'd ever be back in auctions again, I I would have uh, I would have thought not. But you know, when you come into to this world and you look at the you know you know the the types of machinery and so forth, and it's just it, it turns out to be a fascinating format for you know selling these types of items. So you guys, I want to talk to talk about you guys personally for a minute. You both did not necessarily have heavy equipment backgrounds before you got into this business, correct? I mean, Matt, you said not eBay. Carrie, what were you doing before? I've had an eclectic array. Um, I've worked in industrial for Granger before, but other than that, a very different array, whether it was dental office supplies, business solutions, or IT. So no, this is very different. Okay. So what, what about heavy equipment gets you guys going? Like what, what about this do you love and not being from the world originally, what's really got you guys hooked, assuming you guys are hooked. It sounds like you guys are on, on this world. Uh, and, and what's different about it than, than the other worlds you guys have been in before. So, to me, the thread of it all and the thrill of it all is these customers, the passion for their business, the passion for their equipment translates straight through to our team members. I've never seen an, an organization have so much sheer will and like living and bleeding orange in my entire life. And it's contagious. And I think it's really rooted in the business our customers are in and what they do. And it just transcends the whole business. Love it. Yeah, for me, you know, I've been in technology my entire life, right? Coding, doing online stuff, eBay, Google. And and to me, what, what was fascinating about this space was like to work with real things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people who, you know, people who move dirt for a living, you know, even though, uh, you know, I was an engineer, you know, it was on the electrical and, and biomedical, you know, side were my degrees, but now you're out here with these mechanical things and to see the advancements. I remember my first trip to Con Expo, watching some person remote operate, you know, a wheel loader. 
and, and just the level of technology, but at the same time, technology that works with like tangible real world stuff like dirt and concrete, uh, it's just is absolutely, you know, I live in Silicon Valley, right? So, you know, for me, it's fascinating to get outside the bubble and, and, you know, once again, work with people who, you know, work with dirt, right? It's just, uh, it's a whole new world for me and I love it. Yeah, that's what I've always loved about it. It's it's for me, I'm a very visual person. I need to see things to really understand it. And it's very easy to understand dirt. It's just you're pushing it from here to there or you're laying pipe and we started there this morning and now we're here this afternoon. For me, like computer stuff doesn't make sense because I can't really feel it. I can't really see it and touch it and, and hold it. Whereas this world, it's it's all physical and you can see it and you can see your progress and it's just it's a lot of fun being able to change quite literally the earth while you're while you're doing your work um and and i just go i go back to just i'll add one thing there right you know people you know once again in my part of the world they think of technology as you know apple right or facebook and they'd be just surprised about how much technology is at play here in these machines it's it's fascinating well, technology at play in these machines, but also with what you guys were doing, frankly, I had no idea you guys were going this deep into data, which it's a no-brainer because there's a lot of it, but it's it's fascinating what you guys are doing from an online space. With, I want to go, there's a few other places I want to go real quick. One, with all the emission stuff going on right now, has that changed what machines are showing up at auction? Has that affected what you guys are selling? Because I know it's starting to really put pressure on a lot of folks, especially like out in California where, Hey, you know, these machines, they're kind of expiring soon. You're going to have to get rid of them somehow. How is the, how, how have the mission regulations changed machine sales? If at all. The awareness is extraordinarily high and we speak a lot about the emissions, particularly in California sales. Yep. Here's the beauty though. Our buyers just aren't in California. So the mindset of, hey, could I pick up a vehicle that's coming out of California and I'm going to send it to XYZ location outside of California uh, really has made that a non-event thus far. No, it's aware, it's talked about, but there's still a strong buyer base elsewhere. Yep. Understood. Okay. Well, I mean, there's been some pretty cool machines put up for sale at Ritchie Brothers this this year because of the California. I mean, all these old scrapers and everything like that. It's just wild to see some of the machines being sold right now. Matt, what's been so what's been most surprising to you coming coming from your your tech background into this world? Um, so I'll tell I'll tell a little story on this one. So I was at a company that got bought by eBay, and I was playing golf with my. Uh, brother and brother-in-law and this was back in 2003 and we're on the first tee and somebody else joins us and I'm explaining to you know my brother and brother-in-law what eBay does and I start talking about wow they even sell cars and my brother-in-law goes no way who would buy a car without seeing it and the guy the fourth guy who we didn't know is like, I just bought my car on eBay <laughs> um, it, it, you know and, and you fast forward and it's 2000 and you know, 16 and I join, you know, Iron Planet and people are spending four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars on this equipment, you know, online, online, shipping this stuff around the world. You know, as, as Carrie was just talking about, you know, people buying equipment, you know, in the United States from Australia or shipping equipment from, 
you know, Vietnam to Europe. It's absolutely, you know, the, the market for this equipment is just fascinating and how these people operate in terms of buying and selling it and, and, and so forth has just, you know, and these are $405 million pieces of equipment. Sometimes, I mean, our, our, I think our highest price item on, on MPE once we sold a $7 million drag line, right? It just, it, wow. it just, you know, online, online. So that to me has, has continues to be the most, the most fascinating thing about this, this whole adventure. It's amazing. It's amazing to me too how the economics works out of you can buy a machine in the United States and go send it to another country. Like in, in the, the I guess the money works out where you can just put you buy a loader for a good price here and you can go send it to wherever you need to send it to around the world. Yep. I, I I'm still amazed. I, and once again, this is a world I never knew existed. Yeah. I never knew existed. Yeah. Well, you never knew it existed yet everyone can't live without this, this world of building stuff. You know, you can't drive down the road. You can't turn the faucet on. That's one of my big, uh, soapbox topics yep. is no one can do anything without us. Exactly. You know, we, we have a, you know, our motto is kind of, you know, our sort of move, build, grow. Right. I mean, that's, that's essentially, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's a mission here, right. And, and the mission is to put equipment in the hands of people who are, moving stuff, building stuff and growing stuff. And you can't live without that. Wow. Now, two more questions. Are you guys technically competition to the dealers like a Caterpillar, a John Deere, a Hitachi? Are you helping out the dealers with what you do? What is that? What is the dynamic between you guys and the OEMs like? You know, over the past couple of years, you know, we've, we've tried to build out, you know, once again, knowing those facts, we've tried to build out that partnership and, mm-hmm. and, you know, one of the things we've done, you know, once again, on the technology side is, you know, we've introduced, uh, this platform called Richie brothers asset solutions. And so, you know, once again, we understand that dealers and manufacturers, you know, sell equipment, right. They sell equipment on their own. And so what we've said to them is, hey, we've built a lot of technology for us that we'll actually make available to you when you sell on your own. Mm. So, for instance, t- take Toyota, right? Toyota, we work closely with Toyota uh, for forklifts. And when a forklift comes back off lease, we actually give them the ability to sell it to their own dealers through a private marketplace, Right. So, you know, they try, you know, they'll basically, and we say, Hey, go sell it, you know, to your own dealers. We'll track it. You can use our systems. You can use our technology and sell it to your dealers. And, you know, we know, go ahead and do that. Right. We know that's part of your process. If you're not successful, you can just use with a click of a button, you can just flip it over to one of our, our sales and we'll sell it to the public. Gotcha. Uh, We get, we give, we now give them data, right. Access to data. Right. So once again, if you're a OEM, you want to know how your equipment is performing, right? You know, in the used equipment market, you know, what are the residual values? Once again, that can be a selling point for your own brand, but also, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, understand, you know, with stuff, they're, they're taking stuff back off lease, right? And they look to us with data like, hey, should I, should I try to sell this now? Should I hold on to it for a while? You know, so anyway, so, you know, back to Kerry's point, 
you know, one of the things we've done in the past couple of years is kind of move beyond just being this, you know, place where you bring equipment and we auction it off, but we, we've invested a lot in software and data and we're making all of this available, you know, to the dealers, to the OEMs and so forth. I mean, we just, you know, announced the closure. We just bought a company called Rouse Analytics, if you're familiar with them, right? Once mm-hmm. again, who, who help provide, you know, the, the main goal of that company is to provide data to a lot of the dealers and OEMs so that they can actually operate their own sales and and rental operations more efficiently. So once again, trying to look at ourselves as more of a partner, you know, with the OEMs, you know, and and then, and dealers. And then, you know, we know on occasion, as Carrie pointed out that they're, you know, we're both trying to sell used equipment and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll compete with each other every now and then. Fascinating. Well, I know I can't be talking to you guys forever as many questions as I have. I wanted to, I guess, wrap up with you guys going back to data. You have a lot of data. You have a lot of insights. You've learned a lot this year. You've learned a lot in the previous years. I'm sure you guys are looking ahead pretty uh, comprehensively into 2021 right now. What are the trends you guys are seeing? What What is the information that you guys can share with business owners right now or guys that are owner operators or someone that's in the market for equipment, what's, what's some information that you guys could offer people that are listening to this that you have because of the data that you guys have access to? Yeah. You know, I'll start out by saying, you know, I'll come back to the point on, on data is, is we continue to see strong pricing. We continue to see strong demand for used equipment, you know, basically around the world, you know, and across the, the vast majority of, of sectors, you know, and, and I think we, we are looking, you know, looking into the near future, we're not seeing anything that's going to break that trend. You know, that's kind of the one general thing, you know, we're seeing it mostly in all regions across all sectors and, you know, coming out of the election, there seems to be more certainty uh, in the market. And so, you know, once again, we, we, we continue to see that strength in pricing and in, in pricing build. Gotcha. What I would add to it is there is a role for a buyer and a seller of linking the data we have to their decision support. So you might decide it's the time to sell. You might decide it's the time to buy. And we have data to substantiate both of those two activities. And uh, I would encourage your, you, your listening audience to take a look at Ritchie Brothers Asset Valuator. You can plug in any make and model of a piece of equipment and pop up will pop up the results from our last two years of selling history right at your fingertips, a quick little search, and evaluation will sit right in front of you. No kidding. So anyone has access to that and, and it pulls from all that data? That is correct. Wow. I'm probably going to be, that's, I guess that's what I'm going to be doing the rest of uh, my evening is just plugging in we random equipment. We had to equipment. give you some homework. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, 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 it's not that I need more stuff to do, but I'm going to definitely be playing around with that. Okay. That's pretty cool. Pretty sweet. I'm uh, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Not, not to say that I, I, wasn't expecting it, but I'm just impressed by what you guys are doing because I really didn't have any idea that it was this this well-oiled of a machine, especially in the coronavirus era here. It's pretty amazing. 
And I think we're just scratching the surface. Yeah. Huh. Well, what um, what's the deal with, with in-person auctions? Are you guys going to be going back to that next year? Is it too early to say? Is there a plan there? What does that look like? We've been talking to some of our largest consigners about this very topic and understanding why they go. And it's for many of the reasons you've raised on today's call and an aspect of social. And I think going long long term uh, will solve what models serve the customer needs and maybe unique ways to do just that. Wonderful. All right. Well, is there anything you guys wanted to touch on while we're while we're here? No, I think that's good. That was a wide ranging conversation and, and 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 a whole lot of fun. Was I thorough enough? <laughs> that was great. That was great. I'm just I'm just very curious because I don't know very much about how auctions work. So I I learned a lot. So I I really I appreciate the both both of you yeah. guys coming on. This was uh this was great. I really appreciate it. That was fun. I like what you do. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to tuning into one of these online auctions here pretty soon. I'm gonna have to sign up and start checking out what are the what the auctions are looking like these days. Every Thursday. We- that's wild. <laughs> we have people. We yeah, well, no, or or just we have people in Canada that actually leave one of the live sales on in the background, right, with the auctioneer going because it's kind of like background music to them. Yeah, I to I totally get yeah. that. It sounds ridiculous, but I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Now, when you're there in person for six days straight, <laughs> it can be a little different story, but you know. People love the sound. I mean, there is a sing-songy nature to, to that cadence. Yeah. Amazing. Remember, Matt, Aaron only lasted the morning. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just well, That was because I was too overwhelmed and at risk of buying something, Carrie. I, my money needs oh, to go elsewhere pity. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that was, uh, uh, that was wonderful. I appreciate it again. So that was Matt Ackley, Chief Marketing Officer, Carrie Taylor, President, North American Sales of Ritchie Brothers. And we are wrapped up with another episode of Dirt Talk. If you loved it, share it with whoever might love it, whoever needs to learn how auctions work. Uh, there was a lot in there. I learned a lot. So hopefully you can learn a little bit too. And we'll see you on the next one.